The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 114, Nevada Day and Halloween with Ben and Kyle. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, Kyle. What's up, Ben? Not much. It is uh, episode 114, a, a little different episode this yeah. week. Well, we had a guest lined up and... Yep. Unfortunately, our guest had to reschedule, so you will be hearing from that guest in a future episode uh, once we can reschedule, Uh, but by the time the rescheduling had to happen, it was too short notice to find someone else, uh, but that's okay, because you and I, we know how to talk. We can have a conversation. Yes, we can, so we should start, I guess we should introduce ourselves. I am Ben Dixon. You can find me on BDixonNV on Twitter, Instagram, those places, and you, my friend. I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech. Same thing with Instagram. Uh, my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. Uh, my book that is out there, To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. That's available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com and also through my publisher, Edumatch Publishing. And, uh, you know, this is normally the part where we do beers. And, uh, Ben, yep. I think you have one, but I'm just going to be honest. I don't have one. And I'll explain <laughs> why after you talk about your beer. Well. Yeah, so um, I we, and we we don't really have show notes or anything like that. So I like I'm gonna gonna look this one up as we talk through it. So I have a New Belgian uh, Dominga, and it is a it's called a mimosa sour. I've so it. it's uh, pretty good. It yeah, it's solid. So like my my wife does a great job like she totally knows me and so she will go to the store and if she sees something she's never seen in our fridge she will buy it and so i'm like i, I was like i don't know where this came from and actually it's pretty good at first it's from new belgium and it's um yeah it's it's a sour basically i mean i kind of i like it yeah, my wife uh, is. She kind of does the same thing. Um, I don't know if your wife does the same thing, but my wife does that. Trader Joe's, where she's in there and she sees beer that oh, I've never seen this in our fridge before, so she'll bring it home. And that was one she brought home from Trader Joe's one day. And yeah, it is a pretty sour, solid sour. It's not it's, super sour. Um, no, no, it's 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 decent. It's really it's, good. It's a six percent ABV, zero IBU. I mean, it's smooth. It's not a super sour though. Yeah. It's not like a woo, yeah. So yeah, it just puckers your yeah. face right up. No, it's definitely it's pretty light. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty light. So yeah, that that was my beer, my beer of choice this evening. And you, my friend, don't have a beer, but have a very good reason. Yes, indeed. So um, now I, as we record this, I'm about three days removed from the stomach flu ripping through my <laughs> house. So over the course of the week previously. It started with my daughter, and then once she got better, then it hit my son. We He had to come home from school when he got sick at school and then stayed home that day and the, and the next mm-hmm. day. And then over this past weekend, it got to my wife where just wiped her out. And then I thought to myself, like, well, maybe I can avoid <laughs> it. Uh, I was wrong. I woke up on Sunday in the middle of the night just absolutely yeah. destroyed from it. And 
I attempted to go to work on Monday. I went for about an hour before I came home. And, uh, but right now, while my appetite, it took about two days for my appetite to come back and really start to feel somewhat normal again. But even mm-hmm. now that I feel decent again, the last thing I want is a beer. Just that, yeah. uh, that there's just the thought of it right now almost makes my stomach hurdle mm-hmm. again. And, uh, so I'm just going to abstain for now and, uh, and we'll see how I feel wow. over the weekend. Uh, we are recording and dropping this on Halloween yes. weekend. So, yes. um, you know, Halloween weekend is always a good one for beers, especially those fall type beers, like your obviously yes. pumpkin beers. And then, um, I'm always a big fan of a brown ale in the fall. Oh yeah. I got, yeah, I was going to bring, I have a good one. I think I might do it next episode. I've got a couple of, uh, another one my wife found me that's a really good uh, coffee stout. Um, and it's one I've never had before. So I will be, because this is, uh, for our Nevada listeners, we know why this is an important day. Because tomorrow is Nevada Day cel- um, observed. Um, and so there is no, there will be, when we're recording this, tomorrow is a Friday. There will be no school. So we get a three-day weekend. Um, I am going to take a short road trip with my wife and my son. We're going to Napa. And our first place to go to dinner, Stone Brewery. So I will be reporting back some excellent beer. Awesome. So, yeah, for those of you not in Nevada, we basically get the state version of the 4th of July off uh, yeah. here in Nevada. We October 31st is technically Nevada Day. It's the uh, yep. 1864. That is the date of nevada statehood and at the time i always love this bit of trivia that at the time it was the longest telegram sent because basically they the republican party and abe lincoln was freaked out he was going to lose the election and they wanted to make sure that the three electoral votes that nevada would give they would potentially go to him because they were definitely a pro-union state and uh, they telegrammed the entire state constitution yeah. to Washington D.C., and it took them over two days to do it. It was, uh, and they, but so again, it was the longest telegram they had ever done um, up until that point, at least. So that's always a fun bit of trivia. But yeah, we always celebrate it on the Friday before yep. Halloween, so they always give us that day off. And uh, you know, here in Southern Nevada, it's not a huge thing. It's not like a big celebration here. I mean, there's businesses that are closed and people get the day off. But uh, I think a a lot of it is because so many people are not from Nevada in Southern Nevada. So they're like, oh, cool. We we get this day off. Whereas in Northern Nevada. In the North. (laughs) Oh, it is. I've been telling people uh, here in Southern Nevada from the couple of years I spent up North uh, with you that that is Christmas, Thanksgiving Halloween and the 4th of July rolled into one. It is just the most intense party ever for Nevada. Well, And and you, you worked in Carson city state capital and it is like, it is the parade is like the, it is the thing. Like, Oh yeah. It's four hours long. I lasted for two and a half. It's uh, huge. Last time I went to it. And it's really cool though. They've got police departments and fire departments and high school marching bands from all over the state. I mean, there was yep. ones from Las Vegas in there as well. But I mean, every small town in northern Nevada is represented in some way. And then you had the politicians from all over the state that walk in the parade and uh, all the restaurants and bars, their doors are wide open, selling booze out the door. Yep. And, uh, you know, all the streets are shut down and just, yeah, it is. It is an absolute blast. And then once the parade ends, you've got the uh, the bands that play. 
yep. basically on the back of a hay trailer out in the parking yeah. lot. So no, it is an absolute it is, blast. It is a huge deal. And I'm always curious. So like, it was funny, my, so my daughter lives in New York city and like I, we were talking about, she was mad because she has to work tomorrow. And like, you know, she works in the library, goes to school and she's like, everything's open. And I go, well, yeah, you're not in Nevada. I go, is there a New York day? And I, and like, I was, I don't know who I was talking to somebody from somewhere else. And they're like, yeah, no, like, I think that's like a Nevada thing. And maybe other States have like this huge, like everything closes that day. I don't know. Do they have state holidays for other States? I don't know. Well, it's just a big I, deal here. I grew up in Michigan from the time right. I was like four years old until I moved to Nevada when I was uh, 23. And I just had to Google what date that Michigan became a state. I knew right. it was 1837. I knew that was right. when they became a state. I couldn't remember the date, so I had to look it up. It's January 26th, though. Now, having a party that's worthy of Nevada Day for, say, Michigan Day, that would be cold. <laughs> so being well, uh, yeah. in Michigan. It's like so. a full state holiday. This is a full state holiday. You can't – I mean, yeah, you can go to the – I mean, federal – it's not a federal holiday, but it's a state holiday that we celebrate. Yeah, no, so your state offices are all closed down. Well, yep. and then and no what story. I find interesting too is that coupled with that, because it's so close to Halloween, if that Friday happens to fall on Halloween, they don't do uh, trick or treating up north at least on that day, especially in Carson City. They they're like, no, that is reserved for the parade and everything. So they will do trick or treating the night before. And I learned oh. that the hard way a few years ago because Halloween fell on Saturday, uh, right. which is actual Nevada Day. We had the Friday the thirtieth off. And I get the kids ready. Uh, my son, I know, man, I don't even know if he was walking yet. He may have only been less than a year old. But we get the kids ready. We go out to Carson City thinking, oh, we're going to go trick-or-treat out here. And we're walking around, and everybody's looking at us strange. And finally, we just ask, like, hey, when's trick-or-treat start? Yeah, that was last night. Oh, really? So we end up driving up uh, the hill to Virginia City. And mm. we trick-or-treated in Virginia City, which that was high-quality trick-or-treating action. Oh, because, nice. Uh, you know, that whole main drag in historic Virginia City, right. everybody was giving away like full-size candy full bars. Full-size candy bars. And cans of Coke. Yeah, it was oh, incredible. Yeah. So, but uh, no, and but the other thing that's really cool about Nevada with Halloween and the whole Nevada Day weekend or whatever is that if we're not the only state that does it, we're one of the only states that does where you can actually go trick-or-treat the governor's mansion. Yes. Did you take your that ever when they were younger? Um, we've never done that. We've never done that, but my wife is a huge, so there's a thing and, and they do this in other towns. So there's a Carson city ghost walk and you go and Carson city is super old historical. You can learn all about the history of, of the place and the haunted places. And you end up, one of the stops is you go to the governor's mansion and they like, it is legit the way they decorate that place. I mean, you've mm -hmm. seen it. It is. And then you get to like, and if you do, so we do the day ones and sometimes we do the night tour. When you go to the night tour, it's all lit up. You don't get to go inside. But in the day tour, you get, do get to go inside and they hand out candy and stuff. You get to get a tour of the mansion. Yeah, those couple of years I lived there, we did trick-or-treating uh, at the governor's mansion. And you ended up spending some time in line. It's about a half an hour line, yeah. uh, depending on what time you get there. But you go up, you get to go up to the front door of the mansion where the governor is standing there with buckets of candy. You, yep. You get to, well, pre-COVID, you got to shake the governor's hand and uh, they would take your picture with them. And then uh, they would reach their hands in and get two big handfuls of candy, yep. throw them in the kid's bag. And then 
well, j- just for health's sake, afterward, you go get the little card to say, this is the website where you can find your picture. And then they also give you a toothbrush and, uh, you know, dentistry <laughs> yeah. kit pretty much to, for your trick-or-treat bag. But the whole neighborhood around the governor's mansion in Carson City basically shuts down. The sheriff's oh, yeah. department blocks off the streets uh-huh. and all the neighbors around there, they go full on oh, dude. with yeah. everything. And that, uh, yes, my absolute two favorite places, uh, the one house, they they did this alien autopsy theme yep. every year, yes. which is incredible. They gave away full-size candy bars. And then the other house I really enjoyed too was where the kids would walk up to the front door to trick-or-treat and get their candy. Well, there was a little side path next to the front door where uh-huh. they set up a bar so the adults could get trick-or-treat treats themselves. And that was in the form of a shot of whiskey. So there's, and I don't know, I think it's the alien autopsy. This, I mean, like now people are like, what are you guys talking about? Like, we're going to totally nerd out about Carson City Halloween. So when we do the ghost tour, the house that you go to, that's a, there are certain houses that are always featured on this tour. And the house I think you're talking about, they have a giant alien do they have the flying saucer in the yard? Yes, they got a, basically a yeah. giant UFO in the yard. Right. So as part of the tour, it's a historic house. It's about, it's maybe less than a block from the governor's mansion. You, As part of the tour, these people open their house up. You walk through their house, and it's a historic Nevada house, you know, 18, clearly 1800s. They give you candy while you walk through their house. And then you go outside the house, you walk into what would be like a garage, but the guy has converted it into the greatest full-size bar man cave like he's got a huge big screen tv and you get to walk through that part they unfortunately i mean every time we go i'm like please be giving whiskey please be giving whiskey but it's like a day tour but they i've talked to the guy before they do this full halloween party that is like off the off the charts so that those people decorate their house huge i mean yeah, yeah. they're really into it well, and then the right the fun. there is the Ferris Mansion, which the namesake yes. of the guy that invented the Ferris wheel is in Carson yep. City, too. So I always thought that was kind of neat, yep. too. So. Yeah, the, it's, yeah, fun fact, my sister, her business, she had her office in that building. It's a oh, weird, cool. it's a cool old building. I've been in there a bunch. So, yeah. all right. So oh, now that's, a, totally- that's a cool town, though. I just, I, I miss is. Carson City. I miss my coworkers uh, from there. Uh, I miss the community. I miss that town. Um, I am going to be able to. Check out my new neighborhood for trick-or-treating. They say it's supposed to be really yeah. good where I'm at, so we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I have high standards after Carson City. I was going to say, I yeah, you know what? I'm, I, I th- It'll be interesting. You'll have to, We'll do a comparison of what you got. So, But, hey, I mean, so, yeah, we've talked about it's now fall. I mean, we are, what, 10 weeks? I actually know this. We are. It is in my district. It is the 51st day of school. Today was the 51st day of school. Um, we had to subtract two because we had snow, uh, smoke days, but, um, yeah, it's the 51st day of like, I don't know. We were joking about this. I mean, everybody's like, so when this gets over and we were joking, like there is no getting over, this is our new normal. <laughs> I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know whatever that is, but yeah, no, it's, I, I don't know exactly what day we're on. I, I do know that. I'm already into the second quarter where when I go back next week, I have to do progress reports, the three week progress reports into the you quarter. Might, wow. So yeah, we're already ahead of us. Yeah. We're already uh, one quarter down and a third of the way yeah. through the second quarter. We're a quarter. Or, yeah. Which part okay. of me, part of me is like, man, this, uh, this school year is flying, but at the same time, I feel like it should be like the end of March just because of how exhausted I am and yep. the amount of work I feel I've put in 
in comparison to previous years and mm-hmm. uh, just the absolute, for lack of a better word, chaos that mm-hmm. school is right now. And, uh, you know, I'm at the high school level, so my idea of chaos may be a little different than yours at the elementary level. Uh, but uh, I'm sure you're you're kind of feeling and seeing the same thing. I, yeah, we talked a little before and uh, uh, before kind of when we were talking about what we wanted to share tonight. And I I, I think one of the things that I notice, um, it's I had a parent ask me the other day. They said like, "How is this year compared to last year?" And and I said, "You know, last year last year was so abnormal. So like up here in, up north." where we were, we were back in school in person, but we had the distance learning option. So, you know, I'm a school of 570 kids, a hundred and something plus of my kids did distance learning. The rest were at school, full masks, social distancing. We had like all the protocols in place. Um, So that was weird. That just was weird. And then this year came, we're still in masks, um, no masks outside. But now, you know, the whole social distancing, we still have protocols in place, but everybody's back. There's no distance learning. I mean, I'm at, I'm, I just was very fortunate to hire a fourth grade teacher two weeks ago to come in to, to, to alleviate some of the, the amount of kids that I had in um, fourth grade. So those classes went from 37 kids down to, you know, 21. So, you know, which, which we joke about, you know, I taught. You know, I've taught kindergarten with that many kids. I've taught sixth grade with that many kids. It's a lot of kids. Don't get me wrong. It, it felt more overwhelming in a COVID year than ever. Because, you know, now we're worried about, okay, if this kid tests positive, are we excluding classes? Are we, exclu- are we doing contact? We're doing contact tracing. So all my teachers, I mean, I was a teacher who moved kids all the time. If you move a kid, my teacher has to send me a seating chart. Because if a kid gets test positive, health department will call me. I need to pull up that seating chart and go, okay, these four kids sit in proximity of that, that kid. We're going to exclude them, you know, and we're not excluding whole classes unless it's absolutely necessary. Same goes for lunch. So there's a lot. And I, I talked to my teachers the other day. And in fact, I, I, it was funny. I was talking to one of my friends who's a principal at the street. We were talking on the phone about something and he's like, man, he goes, my, my teachers are just done. They're fried. And I'm like, yeah, mine too. It's the 10th week of school. We're all fried. I'm like, I don't know what the hell March is going to look like because people are tired. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're saying the same thing. Well, I mean, just kind of off the whole tired part of it, uh, I was, I just realized this a couple of days ago that I have already taken this year eight sick days. And it's not necessarily because I've been sick necessarily. I have been a couple of times. I had, well, I had the stomach flu where I stayed home. Uh, went home here a few days ago, and then a couple of weeks ago, I woke up with a migraine and, and stomach didn't feel good with my headache and whatever. Um, and then I feel like I had one like that uh, back in like late August, early September right. as well. But I had to stay home for a full week with my son when his class. You, right. you mentioned classes getting quarantined. His entire class got quarantined, so right. he had to stay home for an entire week, and then. Well, and then when he got the stomach flu, that was actually his first day back after being gone for over a week. And wow. when he wakes up in the morning, tells my wife that I don't feel good. My stomach hurts. She thought it was more of like, oh, you've been home for a week. You don't right. feel like going to school. You're going to school. Right. And then he went home. He went to the school and got sick. So then she's like, I'm the worst parent ever. I'm like, no, there's yeah. definitely worse parents out there. So but, <laughs> that's uh, true. Yeah. And I know, like, I talked to some of my colleagues and they're 
same kind of deal. A lot of people are taking sick days, and it's yeah. not because they're sick. They are taking <sighs> mental health days. Dude, I that's funny you said that. I had a conversation with a couple other administrators, and like, like, hey man, I, I mean, it's not a badge of honor, but like, like, but it's funny because you get to a certain point in your career. I like, I have over two hundred something sick days. I just don't like as a teacher. We all know that it was sometimes more work to take a sick day than to just suck it up and go to work. Oh, absolutely. And, no. and, and now I think, I think what's happening too, is that like, I think a lot of us would power through and now it's like, you can't do that. Like I tell my teachers, you feel bad. I don't want you in this building. Cause, and, and, and I think, but I also think I agree with you. I think there are people and I, like, I know every single person I work with, there are days when you're like, I can't, I'm like, I'm done. I'm tired. And then you have to like, if you do power through, are you going to actually physically get sick? Cause I think that does play into it. I think people's mental health, I think people are real. I think, I think what's happening is people are realizing that they need to take care of their own self. We talk a lot about, I think we did, a, I think in the past, everybody talked about your own mental health, your own, all these things you need to do. And we all were like, Oh yeah, we totally need to do that. But then when push came to shove, we just didn't, we just were like, I got to go to work. And I think people are realizing that life is short and you have to, like, you need a break. Like yeah. this, this is not the rest of your, I mean, you know, it's important what you do. We're professionals, but also if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be there for, for, for your kids or for your colleagues. Yeah. I, I had plenty of times in the past where I can remember going to school with a fever oh, yeah. and just for sure. saying, you know what? I don't feel that terrible. Let me power through this. And uh, right. today we'll be you just get kid keep... energy. It was kid energy. Kid energy will sustain you till three 30. Right. That's and true. then I, it was just one of those deals where like, as the day progressed, if you did start to feel better, like, you know what? The kids just tell yeah. the kids, Hey, I don't feel great. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take it easy. It's still going to be a productive day. Right. And I did that a lot, but now, between the fact that, hey, you do got to take care of yourself so you don't get sicker, but also with COVID protocols, anything right. is a symptom essentially. For so, sure. you know, those mornings I woke up where I had an upset stomach and was sniffling a little bit, it was probably allergies. But guess For what? Sure. Those are COVID symptoms. So they're going to tell me to stay home anyway. Well, well right. and then the one day last week, I actually get a text message on my way to work from the health department saying, you've been identified as someone that's been exposed. You need yep. to quarantine. So I look at that. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I click on the link yep. when I get to school. In the meantime, I'm calling my office manager. Hey, right. I got this text. Um, I'm going to look into it in the parking lot. I will let you know. So right. long story short, 45 minutes sitting in the parking lot. I click on that link and it says you need to quarantine till tomorrow. Click on this link for more info. So I click on the second link. If you've been vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine. Right. Okay. Yep. So then we have a system in my district where we have to check in every day and say, have you been exposed to somebody? Have you tested? Really? Positive? Are you wow. exhibiting anything? And then what is your temperature? So I go into that system and put in everything. Like I feel fine. My temperature's fine. But I, you know, in truthfulness, I have to put on here. Have you been exposed to somebody? Yes. Yes. I so have, then, yeah. That throws up in, in the app, it's a yellow badge. So Ooh, it throws up a yellow badge. And then what that says is that now you have to call the school district nurse. Into uh, yeah, yeah the employee health nurse. Yep. So then, so I call them and 
you know, they asked me a handful of questions. And ultimately, after 45 minutes of all this conflicting information, they're like, you're good. Go to work. So yeah. I was able to go to work. But I mean, at the same time, though, while this is going on, before I'm finding out that I can go in, my thought is that, like, I feel fine. I'm vaccinated. I'm not worried that I have it, but I could still be carrying it. And if I go into school and then all of a sudden somebody gets Dude. it because of me, yeah. I feel like an absolute piece of garbage yeah. at that point. Yeah. So, no. It's just that's and that's it. That's exactly it. It's like I think that's I think that's playing into it too. I think that people are more conscious of their health and the health of other people. I think we as a I, I can't speak for the rest of society, but I will speak for our profession. We are like we want we don't we want to be helping and we don't I think most people are like they don't want to be that person. God, nobody you know, could you imagine you're like oh, oh yeah, my whole school got quarantined. Oh, it was me. Yeah. I'm, I'm patient zero. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I think people are, are watching that, but I think it also do. I, but then I go into, so now your mental health, your, your anxiety, whatever's going on with people, just the general, I don't, whatever's out there in the atmosphere right now of the world, I think is also causing people to come down with more health symptoms. So, I mean, is that, yeah. it's like a chicken and the egg thing. Right. Well, and I think because so many people are bringing so much baggage to school, that's just yeah. adding on top of the stress that's already there for a lot of people. And that's when a lot of people are saying, you know what? I, I need a day. You know, yeah. it, you know, I mean, it might be tough it out to the end of the week and take a Friday off or, you know what? I'm already done on a Tuesday. I need to take the day off. I think yeah. a lot of people are doing that. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, difference between high school and elementary school, a lot of differences, but. I'm seeing with kids yeah. a lot more, there's more fights. I don't remember okay. fights like this pre COVID wow. where, you know, the just like at physical, like fist fights and, well, uh, and whatnot. And school. I'd like to point out to everybody that Kyle was a Dean in a behavior school. So when you tell me that it makes me really nervous. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I mean, you're, you're hearing about fights on campus or near campus um, wow. in, in my district. And I mean, I'm not sure if what's like the high schools in your district. And then, the yeah. other thing that I'm seeing too is that kids were out of school for so long that what we kind of use this as a joke, but there's there's a lot of truth to it. Is they quote unquote forgot how to do school, where some oh, of the yeah, kids are like, sure. you know what, not really digging this class. I'm just not going to go, and then they just walk around campus. Well, then right. that one class turns into two, and then we've got some kids on my campus at least that we refer to them as the professional ditchers. They never go to class, but they're always on campus. And when they get caught, they get escorted to class. But then the next class, they just don't go. Wow. And part of me is like, that's ridiculous. What We need to do something about these professional ditchers. But and then the part, other part of me is like, if I'm going to be a professional ditcher, why am I even going to school? Thank I you. Go somewhere fun. Go, to, go do something cool. Okay. So, so I would not like to say I was a professional, but I will tell you that during high school and as someone who went to an alternative high school for, for a port to like an alternative kind of program, plus was credit deficient. I knew exactly how many in my, just in my school, I knew how many absences you could have before they would contact your parents. And like, I knew exactly how many, and like, yeah, I just wouldn't go. Like I didn't go to school and hang out. I just didn't go. Or I, I left school and went and skateboarded. I'm like, yeah, that's weird to me that like, but that tells you something. So that's super interesting. I think that is, that is super fascinating to me that like you have kids, they don't want to go to class, but they need school. 
Like they need that. There's something about school that is giving them something that they need. So then how do you, how do you, how do you give them that, but also give them academics? So, I mean, that's, you know, we can get into a whole conversation about like, is their class even engaging? So like for them, it's not apparently. Right. And it's. And the during, Yeah. And it's it, during the online teaching, if that's what yeah. we want to call it, it, I felt like a court jester a lot of times, just trying oh, to entertain, dude. to engage. And I almost feel like that at times in person now, even where, right. you, I mean, we still do our joke battle, my co-teacher and I, because that's just fun. And if anything, it's more for us, because right. we have fun with it. But there's so many other aspects of, for engagement, it's not necessarily engaging practices that are, you know, proven by research or anything. Right. It is more of like, on the fly, what am I going to do to entertain, to try to engage and, and work in the, the content at the same time? That's, you know, it's funny you brought that up because we just spent the week, this week I sub out my teachers every quarter and we do our multi-tiered system of support. So we talk about kids that are getting intervention and then that way we can set up a nine week cycle. So we, when we meet in the nine weeks, we've tried the intervention. Is it working everything? And we are, we are getting a number of kids. And, and I, I know this is probably going to come out the wrong way or whatever, but, and nothing against any teacher that was a distance learning teacher. You did a phenomenal job. I have, a, I had amazing teachers that taught distance learning and I, I won't speak for high school, but I'll say for elementary, if you were a first grader and you did distance learning, I, I don't even know, like, I don't like, like when we look at that kid and we're like, they have holes in their learning. Well, yeah, they have holes in their learning because they were doing first grade at home and like God loved their parents, but their parents were working at home. Their parents were doing this. And it's like, I, I don't believe that there is a true, as people are calling it a learning loss. I think a lot of it is what you said. It's that whole, like doing school. It's like the stamina piece. It's like the no, you don't get to come to class in your pajamas. I mean, God, I'd love, you know, you, you have to be at school and these are the things we do. And there isn't a break at 10 to go get a snack and then sit in your pajamas or like play on YouTube or whatever. And then we come back to class. So we have a lot of kids that we've, like, as we're having this discussion, the first thing we'll pull up is I go, what did they do last year? And if they weren't with us, because we've gotten a lot of new kids, I'm like, oh, they were DL. No, they were DL. They were DL in California. And it's like, well, then, I mean, you know, we can't even say if they had good tier one instruction, you know, because that's, I mean, and for high school, I think it's totally different. Because I think once you're in high school, there are some kids, and we've talked about this, that thrive in that format. Yeah, I've got, I've got a student in my caseload right now that I'm really struggling with that. Uh, mom and I have talked about potentially moving him back into an online high school because right. he, he seemed to do okay in okay. It last year and he's not doing anything now. And basically the, our um, student success coordinator, our Dean um, right. has had a lot of interaction with him because he makes a lot of poor choices and, uh, okay. and whatnot. And uh, he says, he told me one day, he goes, you know, your, your student there, he's my, he's my gossip guy. If I need to know if something's going on on campus, I just go talk to him. So wow. that's basically what he's doing is he's coming to school to socialize social, right. and cause problems and not do the academic part of it. And I'm, But he did the I, academic at home. But he did it at home. So that's why mom and I have been talking about doing maybe trying to get him into an online school again. 
Yeah, I did. I, I wonder too about that. Like there are kids that I think the social, I mean, there are kids that come to school for the social piece. I mean, I, I will totally own that. Like when I was in high school, I could care less about the academics. I went to hang out with my friends and then figure out what we were going to go do after school and go skateboard. But I think for some kids, that's that whole, they do need that social piece. I think about your professional roamers. Clearly that's what they, they need. But um, I wonder about like those kids that have like the social anxiety of school, like just like the overwhelming, like being at school is too much for them. So, I mean, I've seen kids, I had, we had a couple of kids who did DL with us uh, last year. They um, have since moved um, to, a, to uh, into California. They were so successful, so successful with distance learning and they struggled at school when they were with us in person because of the, because of some social issues with other students. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think there needs to be an online option. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look. Yeah. And like I said, I've been trying all sorts of things with this one particular student and I'm, I'm coming up empty everything I try, but I mean, I'm still trying things. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, because ultimately, I mean, we've talked about trying to move him into that online environment, but at the same time, though, then he's not getting the interactions right. with others, which, I mean, just in general, mm. kids need interactions with others. But he also, because of his disability, he struggles with those interactions. Uh, exactly. His right. interactions with kids are more negative than they are positive. So mm. then if he's online, that now he's not getting any interaction, which is probably worse than negative yeah. interactions. I and I, I don't know, I don't, I can't think of how else to like, I don't know, I don't know what, what the answer is for those, for those kids. I think it's interesting when you say you were bringing up like the whole, like more fights and all that kind of stuff. And I wonder, I'm like, I'm not really sure. Is it, is it because we spent a lot of time with a lot of kids not interacting with other people? Is it because I noticed that, so it manifests itself different in an elementary school. I have a lot of kindergartners and first graders that are extremely emotional. I mean, not anybody who's taught kindergarten is like, really? Kindergartners are emotional? But I mean, more so. And I'm like, kids that are like really, really clingy, they need a lot of physical, like they'll come in like, and, and we joke about this. Like I always joke like, Mr. Dixon, he's got a bubble. Like stay out of his bubble. And, but I have kids that just are like, they need to be near you. And I think that manifests itself on the playground too, because I'll have kids that are just like jumping on each other, but not like a fighting way. They're just like, they need to be close to kids. And I'm like, well, I wonder if that's because you missed that for a full year. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh it's a mystery to me. And if you're listening and you have similar experiences and you got answers, by all means, we yes. are wide open for this. I, I would love to know, like, what is it looking like in other schools? Because, I mean, other places like where you were, they, everybody was not at school. Everybody was DL. And, I mean, my te one of my teachers brought this up. She goes, think about it. Kids have been told, stay away from other people. They're dangerous because there's this disease that you could get and die. So you think about it, you're like a young kid. That's a lot of anxiety for a little guy. I mean, like that's got to cause some stuff. And so I don't even know, like, and then, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. We're, I think we're, we've talked about this. We're going to reap, there are going to be consequences from this pandemic that we're going to be seeing 20 years from now. 
because we all know, I mean, if it follows the course of the, of the Spanish flu, we're going to like come out of this. It'll be like, you know, I hope we're not as short-sighted that in 10 years we're like, oh yeah, we forgot all about that. I hope we learned something from this, but I think we're still going to see consequences from it, especially with mental health. Yeah. So, well, the decade following the Spanish flu was one of the most economically successful for, well, many people, not everybody, not everybody, 1920s, but then that also led to the Great Depression and all the bad decision-making with that economic success. So I'm hoping exactly. that. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't fall in that cycle. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping the people in charge that are trying to get us out of this thing are thinking about that as well while we're. Yeah. While, while they're on that because yeah we definitely don't need that to happen again and one what would just be the parallels would be so weird is how it's the same time frame too where this started yeah. in 19 or it started in 1918 1919 this was like 2019 2020 oh, it's close. So, yeah it's so eerily close it, there there are some parallels I, I and it's funny because there's you read about it on the news all the people that are like pro this anti this anti that like all that that was around like you read all the history and the same things people were faking vaccine cards in the Spanish flu. I mean, that's just like, people were anti-vax then. I mean, it's just, it, it, people are, history is cyclical. I mean, you know, there, there is, there is that thing that things happen and then we either learn from them or I guess we don't. So it'll be interesting. I just, I don't know what, what school, I don't know. I mean, this whole idea, this is really the normal. I mean, I hate to say it, but this is kind of what we're, I don't mean to be depressing. And I, I don't think it is, I don't, I don't think it is depressing. I just think it's our reality and how right. do we adapt? Human beings are really good at that. Yeah. Well, and for educators, at least we are coming up on uh, what we affectionately like to call no school November. So yeah. we are going to have a little bit of time to relax over the next few weeks. Sure. At least in my district, we have a four day weekend veterans day weekend yep. uh, this year nice. because veterans day falls on thursday so they gave us friday as well and okay. then we have our thanksgiving break where we go to school monday and tuesday that week and then we yep. have the rest of the week off and then once we return from thanksgiving then we're into december and you got three weeks until yep. um now for your district i know in the past you used to get three weeks for that winter now we're break. down to two we're at two but yeah uh, we've yeah we went back from three 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 is i don't know that's a long time. I, you know, having kids in your district when the uh, when that was that that was a struggle because long I time. only got two weeks from my district, and then my wife was back to school. So then all of a sudden we yeah. had to come up with childcare for a week. So. Yeah, and that that whole premise st- stood around like so. And you know, you're a, you're a high school guy. This idea that used to be that that your 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 end of semester was after Christmas break, which didn't make any sense. And then they switched because what they like to do is they took that three weeks and they used it almost as a credit recovery. Cause you know, you'd get those kids that are like, Oh crap, there's one week left of the quarter and I've done no work. And then they would need that three weeks to do like a credit recovery program or something. And that's why that was put in, but I'm with you. I think, I don't know. It's funny. We were having a discussion. I don't know about Vegas. We get a week off in um, October fall break. So yeah, we, we don't go, get a fall break. Yeah. So we go, we go for like, we start early August, we go, we get fall break and really the quarter ends like 
the week we come back, um, the quarter's ended. So it's like fall break is kind of the end, the first quarter, and then you get a break. Um, I used to teach at a school that was called a 45-15. So we would do 45 days of instruction and 15 days off, but year round, which was awesome. Because you'd get 45 days and you'd be like, I'm tired. And then you get 15 days off. And then you come back and you go 45 days and then you get 15 days off. And we taught, you know, I did have to teach in, July, in June, July, which was different, but um, it was nice. But we were talking about the fall break is truly to me the relaxing break. Because to me, Christmas is not relaxing. Anybody who has kids, it's not relaxing. You have family, you have like stuff. So, yeah, because you're so busy, it makes the time just fly by. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, it's like the Sunday night before you're going back. Like, oh wait, wait, where did my break go? I oh, I didn't no. get anything done. So yeah, uh, and spring then we break start- is sometimes like that too. But yeah, I've never had a fall break, so I, I can't even have a comparison. Fall break's cool. I like the fall. I mean, I love fall. So, but yeah, I don't. I mean, that's that whole idea, and we've talked about that on this show. Is like reimagining the time frame we, that kids go to school in my district right now, we're having a huge conversation about changing bell schedules. So we've all talked about this, like why in the world do my middle schools here go to school at seven 30 in the morning? And then my elementaries go at nine or nine 30. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if anybody's had a middle school kid, why would a middle, you can't, they're not going to move until 10. So why would you do that? And then the other thing, you know, so we're having a debate in our district now, that's a whole other thing. And I don't know how Vegas works, but like now you're talking about disrupting all the after-school childcare plus sports. Cause we're going to change the high school schedule too. So there's a survey out for parents and I'm really interested because it won't happen for a couple of years, maybe, maybe in a year or two that they're going to change the schedule and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like what are your, what time do you start? My school starts at seven fifty, So okay. same, not same the- idea. Not the earliest uh, schedule no. I've ever been on. I've worked at schools where my like we started at seven, like first Ooh. bell, first, first class bell started like at not seven. zero period. No, no, that was first period. So we were at seven a.m. The so nice thing about that was player, all you ex football players know zero period was weights. It, oh, that yeah. means you get to go to school before that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, the nice thing about what that schedule was, kids were done at one twenty-five and teachers were done at two. So. Yeah. And at the time, I actually I actually lived across the street from that school, so I was I could walk home. I was home by two o five every day. That was yeah. that was really nice. Uh, but I almost feel like, I, yeah, we've talked about this. Where like that later schedule for the older kids makes way more sense because, well, like right. just example this morning, I'm getting ready for work. I get out of the shower at six thirty, and both of my kids are already sitting on the couch watching TV. When I get out of the right. shower, I'm like, okay. So no high school kids doing that. No, <laughs> so, no way. But, you know, you talk about disrupting like club and sports and whatever and how those are going to end up going later. I almost see it being the opposite. Whereas instead of then having practices at, say, high school now gets out at 430 because right. they're not starting till 9, instead of having practices after that, I could almost see coaches saying, you know what, we don't start till 9, 930. Seven Let's o'clock practice here. at six thirty, from six thirty to eight thirty, or something, and then that way. Well, and to me, the kids getting up and getting in that physical activity—that's going to wake them up for the yeah. day. I can no, see I that being like a really wow. nice switch right there. But I mean, 
Who knows? I, well, if that where you are, case. where you are, football practice in the morning makes perfect sense, dude. Oh, it would be absolutely beautiful. Like I used to love when I coached football during two days. We would do a practice from like six a.m., six thirty until about eight eight thirty before yep. it got super hot, and then. uh the one team I coached, then we would take a couple hour break and then practice again. And then I got stupid hot. But then yeah. the other school I, I coached at, we then would go home and then come back at 630 at night. Right. Right. When I mean, it was warm, but the sun was starting to go down. So you didn't have the sun right. beating on you. And then they would yeah. turn the lights on and then, you know, we'd practice right. under the lights. So that was nice. Yeah, I, I am interested. I'm interested. I mean, I'm I'm certainly biased towards me starting school at eight like elementary school, starting school early um, and us getting out early, just because I, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, it, from a, from an administrator standpoint, it doesn't matter to me because I'm there from, I try to get there at my school anywhere between seven and seven thirty, and I leave later. But I mean, I think, I think for our kids, I mean, this will sound horrible, but I also, as a school who is near a middle school, I would love for the middle school kids to not be out before my kids because <laughs> any elementary school that's near a middle school will know middle schoolers are just different. And sometimes they just, they got a lot of free time and they don't always use it constructively. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I'm sure there's many amazing middle schoolers out there. You may remember this, but I can remember a particular set of middle schoolers that were causing problems on the campus of your old elementary school because oh, yeah. they were coming there and causing problems. And then, when they no longer were allowed to step foot on campus, then they were squatting on people's front porches in the neighborhood even and yep. causing you problems. So. Yes, Kyle would come and pick up his child and he'd be like, what's that about? And I would, and, and Kyle knows this, and as part of my job as the assistant principal was I got to babysit. After, I got to babysit from the time they showed up, which was a half hour before my school ended. So mm -hmm. it was like, really guys? And and you know what, to be honest with you, they were all super good kids. Like I, they were former kids. I had a great relationship with them, but something happens to middle schoolers. I was a middle schooler. I caused all kinds of chaos and I should go apologize to so many people in the neighborhood because I was just a knucklehead and, you know, I turned out okay. But middle schoolers, man, there's something in your brain. No, I, I, whenever I have this conversation with people, I say, you're not human at that age. You're really not. There's. Well something your wiring is so completely locked to where you are not a human being until you're about probably i would say 15 almost 16. yeah you just are you're just you're just a, a ball of emotion a ball of hormones and emotions it's like you're happy you're sad and i have friends that teach middle school and i love it they're amazing at it and i'm more power and they are super i love what they do I'm, one of my friends is a middle school principal and he is amazing at it amazing but I'm like, yeah, man, they're they're interesting. So I don't know. We'll see what the bell drove me. One of those things that drove me from being an admin was because it was middle school. And I had yes. never worked with middle school. And that was when I realized I can't handle middle school. So if I was to ever go back to administration, which I may someday, just yeah. not right now, um, I think I want to let COVID uh, – Tone well, down a little bit before. It's, this is fun. I'll let I'll let all you established admin uh, continue to fight the good fight, and then maybe oh. I'll join you after the fact. I, I, it, it's funny you said that. I have an intern. Uh, I have an intern this year. Well, I've had her for. She's finishing her program in my district. That's a kind of a it's through the university, and she's learning to be an administrator. And she comes and spends time with me. She came today, and I'm like, 
she's she's younger and like she's like kind of worried about like okay i'm gonna get in the pool and everything and i'm like hey you got time relax relax it'll be okay it'll be fine don't you got a long career and this this is this is kooky i mean i'm and i mean i've been an administrator for a while but as an as my own by myself building administrator it's really been like i started pre-covid only a year before so for me, a lot of like stuff, I'm like, hmm, all right, whatever. This is what we do. And I have friends that have been principals for 10 years on their own. And they're like, this is nuts. I mean, it's just what you, it's what you're, I mean, I'm sure with you, like you're working in a new building in special education. You haven't been there, but it, this is just kind of, you have no frame of reference for yeah. like how it used to be. Well, right. I, I mean, if you really want to get technical about it i did my first two years of special ed when i was in carson city and then right. moved back to las vegas so year three was completely online now year four right. is what this is and i mean in general if you talk about a first year teacher you're not really truly probably a decent teacher if not a good one until probably about year four or five anyway yeah. so i'm probably at the point right now where i'm probably maybe getting to be a pretty decent special ed teacher where i you know, I know all the ins and outs of the paperwork right. and the things right. I got to do. And uh, I mean, yeah, for me, it's like, yeah, this is nuts. But it's like, I didn't know. I don't know any better. Right. If I know a special ed teacher for the previous 13 years, right. then I probably might be I probably have a lot less hair than I even have now. So I don't know what. Right. And you have you're a veteran teacher. So you think about your like pre like I think about myself. So if I was still a classroom teacher right now. Like I have to like put, and that's something I think about with my teachers. Cause I have a veteran staff. I have a very, like my staff's been around. I mean, like I just hired a first year teacher, but like after her, after her, my, my most like new teacher has like seven years. So they're like, so they're coming into this with like, this is insane. Like this, what we're doing is so different. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, from my frame point of being the building principal, I don't really have a frame. Like, like I'm like, this is just kind of how we do it now. And I think that's, I wonder, that would be interesting. I would be a really interesting, I don't know how you'd collect that data, but like people's perceptions, if you became a teacher during all this and you were already a teacher, like, how's that look? Like, are, like, are you over? Like, I get everyone's overwhelmed, but what does that look like? I just wonder. Yeah, that is an interesting concept to think about. So, I don't know. But. I don't know. Here's what I know: people are showing up. People are doing amazing stuff. Kids are coming to school. I would say probably all the parents that I talk to in my little group, you know, uh, and my colleagues. I think kids are happy to be at school. I think that parents are happy. Kids are at school. I know the media. There's a very. I would argue it's a very small minority that is extremely vocal that is that is trying to hijack the narrative about schools and i think this goes back to our whole we've had this discussion since you and i've met that like we suck at telling our story and it's getting hijacked from us to 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 an extreme right now yeah no it's because the the extreme like you see these yeah. videos at school board meetings those those get views those get ratings whereas like a like a normal school board meeting that takes an hour where they hit every bullet point, they have a handful of uh, speakers come up and ask some questions or, right. you know, during public comment or whatever that, you know, that, that video might get 50 views. Whereas, that's you know, true. lunatics screaming about masks and vaccines and critical race theory, that's going to get 
thousands upon thousands of views. So that's what the media is going to portray. And uh, that's good it's point. unfortunate that's how the world is. But, I mean, we've been doing this. I This is year 17 for me, year 20-plus years yourself. Yeah. We've been seeing this for our entire careers. It's not going to change. Yeah. No, it's not. I think I think that you have a, a strong group. Uh, you have a you have a core group of educators and parents and and people that want kids to to grow and achieve, and they're still doing the work. And I don't I don't know if it gets celebrated enough. And then you have a very very small group, and that is sometimes don't have kids in school. I'll just say it that like I question: Do you actually have a kid in school? Um, who are, who are for whatever reason have, have become very vocal about this. And so I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. No one, no one's going to watch, no one's going to watch videos of people in line at the grocery store getting their groceries, but people will watch a, a, a person freak out because they're not wearing a mask and someone asks them to wear a mask and throw a raging hissy fit in a grocery store. People will totally watch that, but they won't watch the other 24 you know, the other like 24 hours and 55 minutes of people just doing what they need to do. For sure. Weird. Well, well, Ben, I got to say, based on the fact that we had to pivot, you know, that 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 P word for this episode without a guest and everything, I I think I think we did okay. Um, We did. And, we didn't uh, solve any problems, but no, we did talk about stuff. We talked about problems, and uh, yeah. we talked about um, geeking out about our home state, and that was fun too. There we go. Yeah. So, and you know, and and if you're like out there listening, and you are like you are slogging it, and you are like showing up every day and doing what's best for kids, you're rocking it, man. You're doing an amazing job, and it, it is hard. It is hard right now. I mean, I I I, I don't. I mean, teachers are doing the best they're doing parents are doing the best they're doing human beings are doing the best they're doing and i just i mean i don't know call me like a like an eternal optimist or merry sunshine i'm like we'll get through this human beings are pretty amazing we're pretty awesome we'll get through it for sure so if you want to keep this conversation going or share some of your thoughts and what we talked about today you can email us at info at beeredupodcast.com you can always tweet us at beeredupod throw that hashtag beeredupod on with it uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at Beer EDU Podcast. That's all one word. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Beer EDU Pod. Uh, we tend to have a little more fun with that one uh, yep. with, the, with the beer picks and whatnot. So uh, our YouTube channel where we live stream uh, these episodes yep. when we record them, that's at bit.ly slash Beer EDU YouTube. And then make sure you're following us on Twitter as well. I Anderson Ed Tech for myself and uh, B Dixon and V for Ben. Send us a voice message on the Anchor app. Yep. That's where we record. Um, leave us a review wherever you listen. That'd be cool, too. Others can find the podcast that way. And uh, if you would like to be a guest on the show with us, you can visit our website, beeredupodcast.com. Click on the contact and subscription info link, and you can complete our guest form. And um, I'm totally hijacking this part. This is usually Ben's thing, but yep. we Keep actually going, do huge show notes. I just happened to pull one up so we could do this part here. <laughs> But we would be remiss if we did yes. not thank a couple of great organizations out there that feature the Beer EDU podcast. So first off, thank you to School Rubric for featuring us. The mission of School Rubric is to help schools, educators, parents, and students tell their stories so that stakeholders can make the best choice about enrollment and staffing. And you can learn more at www.schoolrubric.com, and you can find great content from educators from all over the world there. 
And then also we are part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network. Find and listen to other great educational podcasts like the Staff Room Podcast, STEM Every Day, Teachers on Fire, My EdTech Life, and more. And you can find those at codebreakeredu.com. Yeah, man. Yeah, check them out. Those are great places. And please, you know, check out our website. Get on that uh, Get on that um, list if you want to be on the show. Click on that link Kyle, Kyle shared. We would love to have you. And you never know. We might have a guest drop out and just try to pull you on in twenty less than twenty four hours notice. <laughs> and we did do that with a couple of people, but unfortunately they could not make it either. Yeah. So that's why Aaron and I flew solo this time. But you know what? Well, it's always fun flying solo anyway. We have a good time either way. We, so yeah, and, I, and now that you're down there, we don't talk very much and as much as we probably should. And I know like we both have a lot going on and I would be remiss if I didn't say good luck tonight. Kyle, Kyle is playing hockey tonight, so stay. Uh, thank you. Don't uh, don't don't do anything I wouldn't do. I don't even know what that would mean. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've skated like twice in my life, and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in awe of you, brother. So yeah, yeah you, go, you I, go and get it done. Well, and that was the thing was that right before that stomach flu ripped into me, uh, I played in a tournament last weekend. So I played my regular. Um, beer league night, and then I played three games in the course of Ooh, a span of what was it? About twenty-two hours. I played um, three games. It was it was intense, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I, I I knew a couple of the guys on my team because I played with cool. them on my Thursday night team. But the rest of them were all people I met that weekend. They flew in from California and uh, nice. Utah and all over the place. It was a it was a really good fun weekend and we're already talking about playing a similar tournament in Anaheim in February. Oh, nice. Together. So, uh, so we'll see. Ah, what happens with that. So, but um, yeah, normally we do a little learn about segment too, but yeah. um, we, we decided this week, you know what? Um, let's uh, we'll skip yeah. that too. So. Yeah. Hey man, if you're out there, go learn about you, go find a new beer or a new drink that you haven't had before. And there's your, there's your homework from tonight's, beer to you podcast yeah challenge out there go to your local yeah. brewery go to your local beer store big box retailer find something you've never had before take a picture tag yes. at your edu pod on Beautiful. twitter on instagram and show us what you're drinking tell us a little bit about what you got because you know what we share what we are always That's drinking true. on this show except for me tonight because i didn't have one but yeah. we want to see your stuff more often now, too. Yeah. So I think that that's your homework. That is your challenge. There we go. Beautiful. Episode. Yeah, we need more guest guest beers. That's what we need. Yes, indeed. Nice so. job. All yeah. right, Ben. Well, hey, that wraps up 114. Yeah, Kyle. It was a great talk to you, man. And you were yeah. a great guest, Kyle. That's Thanks, what I'll say. You, too. I appreciate that. So, great <laughs> back, so, and listeners, as always, thank you for joining us. Until next time, may the malt stops. Right on.